No, Joe's just obsessed with them. I am. <laughs> dumpster fire. That's weird. I've never met a dumpster fire I don't like. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Are you searching for a new job? That can be stressful, scary, and time-consuming. Pushy recruiters try to sell you on roles you don't actually want, and the job boards make you feel like you're throwing your resume into a black hole, never to be seen again. And sometimes you go all the way through the interview process just to find out at the very end that the salary, offer, or company culture doesn't match what you're looking for. Hired is the world's most intelligent talent matching platform for full-time and contract opportunities in engineering development, design, product management, data science, sales, and marketing. We make your job search faster, focused, and stress-free. Instead of endlessly applying to companies and hoping for the best, Hired puts you in control of when and how you connect with compelling new opportunities. After completing one simple application, top employers apply to hire you. And on Hired, you receive personal interview requests and upfront salary information so you can make informed decisions about what opportunities to pursue over a condensed timeline. Hired offers access to more than 4,000 innovative employers, including big brand names like Facebook and smaller emerging startups. The size and type of company you want to connect with is totally up to you. And we help you find new opportunities in 17 major cities in North America, Europe, Asia, and Australia. Open to relocation? Let them know. Your privacy and autonomy in your job search is of utmost importance. And if you go check them out at the show's link, that's hired.com slash adventures in Angular, you can get double their normal hiring bonus. So instead of $300, you get $600 for signing up at our link. That's hired.com slash adventures in Angular. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another Adventures in Angular show. This week on our panel, we have Ward Bell. Hello. Alyssa Nichol. Hello, everybody. Joe Eames. Hey, everybody. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and this week we're going to be talking about build systems for Angular. Ooh. Now, uh, Joe and I were looking for a topic a few weeks ago, and that's kind of where this came up. Joe, do you want to kind of kick us off as far as what you were thinking and, you know, some of the things that you, you you think we should talk about? Yeah, so I've been doing a lot of stuff lately with build systems, both from a course that I just completed, a course on migrating from Angular. The The title is Migrating from Angular JS to Angular, but that's such a horrible title because <laughs> you read the title, it's like, what the heck does that mean? Migrating from Ward to Ward. <laughs> <laughs> but so I do put the uh, the version numbers in parens. So basically, it's migrating from Angu applications from Angular one to Angular two. I did bunch of, with build systems there, and I went through down a kind of a bad rabbit hole with System JS and switched over to Webpack and discovered some startling things that I didn't know about. The ward is totally the nobody kept from me, probably on purpose. Oh, I probably, would do probably that. I, was, I would do that on purpose. Yes, I would. He wanted to see me fail, but uh, fortunately, I was lucky enough to escape out of that. And then I've also done some stuff recently with, uh, you know, the uh, ngdoc.io. We had that uh, episode a while ago. Joe gets mean, right? Mm -hmm. And with the time when we were talking, we were we were talking about it. I didn't announce it because it wasn't ready yet, right? And we were. I was telling it was a secret what the app was. And that was actually ngdoc.io that Alyssa and I have been tirelessly working on 40, 60, 80 hours a week, right? <laughs> so I did the build for that and the deployment for that. So I feel like I've got some pretty strong opinions on the dumpster fire that is builds uh, in on the web and general, you know, JavaScript in general, specifically with Angular as well. And uh, I think, you know, it would be interesting. So we wanted to, we had this idea come up a while ago and I said, we can't, do this episode without Ward because this is like an opinion, an opinion, an opinion episode. piece. And it's I an never have. Piece. I don't, as 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 you know, I I 
withhold my opinion. Right <laughs> yes. Like, does that make you feel like good about yourself, Ward? That like people think, wait, 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 we need Ward for the opinion piece. Like, uh, <laughs> I have mixed feelings about. I have an opinion on that subject, and uh, <laughs> it's mixed. <laughs> so there we go. That's the that's the backstory to this episode. Is my strong opinions about it and experience and the fact that I'll, you know, Ward, he does docs for Angular. So I think he knows Angular better than e even Igor and Mishko. And, uh, no, oh, uh, not a chance, but thank you for suggesting that possibility. <laughs> Can we ask you like a, like a dumb question, like right off the bat? Like, do you guys know what the CLI uses? As far yes. As? Like, okay. Can we you both, we both do. Yeah, we, you, you do. Yeah. <laughs> It used to use uh, System.js, and it no longer does. It uses Like, packs. not at all, not even a little bit. It's 100% System.js free. No, well, that's not true. Not true. Oh. All right, go tell them, Joe. Tell well, them. actually, you probably know the details better than I do. I just okay. know that it's not System.js free. Correct. It still has a little of it left hiding. <laughs> where, does it, where is it hiding, Joe? Isn't it hi is it hiding in the old Ember CLI? Or is it something else? You know, I actually, well, I was going to say that well, I, it doesn't do plunkers. I know where it's hiding in the docs okay. because we still have plunkers and they still lean on system.js. Uh, Mike was funny, talking about this. Rocky was, and I don't remember. Yeah, there was a funny moment. It was like me and Mike were at this like talk and in Poland at like the, the GDE summit, which you two weren't there. Shame. 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 Um, <laughs> but Stephen Fluin was like saying he was talking about uh, like Webpack and System.js, and at one point there was like a weird, awkward silence. I think somebody had asked, like, "Do you even like Webpack?" And Stephen was so funny. He just like looks up and goes, "I love Webpack." Like it was just so funny. So like the rest of the trip, everyone was like coming up to him, going, "I love Webpack." Like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I well, I want to see if Joe loves Webpack. I think loving Webpack mm. is, you know, that's a commitment. That's, that is something, you know, like uh, I, I love diving off a hundred foot ladder into a cup of water. That's that. oh my god. So let me let me let me give you a, a I think a very good visual analogy here. I'm going to tell you a story about once I went swimming. Right, so I was swimming. I was out in the ocean. I was swimming. Okay. I got caught by a riptide and pulled out into the ocean. And man, I, I was just so tired. I slipped into the water and I was literally drowning. Okay. I'm there in the water. I'm fighting for breath of drowning. I suck in a big gulp of air and I know this is it. I'm about to drown. Just at that moment, this huge great white shark comes up and grabs onto me, latches what? right onto me. Okay. What? Right you too, on to huh? me. You too. This happened to you too. Pushes me up out of the water. I get this big gulp of air and he you know, we fight, and I, I eventually, uh, he drags me off onto the shore, and I, and I was able to breathe while, well, he actually didn't drag me on the shore. We just went around for quite a while. He was holding onto me, but I, I stopped drowning. So that, wait, that wait, shark wait, wait, is Webpack. I'm so confused. Did this actually happen? Like, yeah, absolutely. Really? True story. <laughs> totally like, true story. That shark was Webpack, is, is Webpack, right? <laughs> you're drowning. You're going to die. And you're and the shark says, I got a choice, I got an offer for you. You can, yeah, I'll like let you, you drown just have and to die. Give up a couple like nipples right. or something, or like... I'll latch on, but I'll let you breathe. I'll bring you up <laughs> to the surface. That's Webpack. 
right? Now, like, I don't know. That probably paints Woodpeck in a really bad light. There are so many build systems. <laughs> you think? You think? <laughs> You know what? I love Webpack, right? Like, let's just. Oh, say really? That. Oh, I guess like, I got to hear. No, no, I'm I'm being a Steven right now. Like, let's just, you know, in between each thing that we say, we need to make sure we reinforce our love for Webpack. So. <laughs> came from worlds, you know, back in before the JavaScript world, builds were not a thing that you spent months, uh, uh, serious months of your life dedicating to. And, um, you know, now we're in a world where that is true, where you spend months of your life. And if you don't know Webpack really well, then anything beyond a tutorial is like doing a real production deployment on, of a real app is not a feasible uh, thing unless you really know a lot of the ins and outs of Webpack. So, so I have to ask so then. basically any build system is going to be painful. Like yes. they're all sucky is what we're saying. Okay. Yeah. Webpack is like democracy, right? It's the worst build system out there except for all the others. <laughs> I have to ask this, Joe, because um, I think a lot of people are in kind of the same boat I am in the sense that if I have to do a build on my Angular app, I mean, I usually have it set up by something else. So mm -hmm. in Rails, it's Webpacker, which is a Rails library that wraps around Webpack. Um, you know, if I'm just doing it off of the Angular CLI, it does the setup for me. And, you know, it's, it's not a major ordeal. So what is it that I have to know about Webpack? What am I missing out on? Do you deploy, are you able to deploy to production? Have you deployed stuff to production with a Rails and front-end Angular app? Um, no, I've only yeah. actually run it on my dev machine. So Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there you go. That's, you're in this. You're in, I'm, I'm ankle deep in the ocean, and it's, the water's fine. Yeah. The water's just fine. It's nice here. <laughs> I don't understand why people out there farther out are complaining about drowning. This water's grand. That's 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 what's going on. I don't know. I actually have no idea what it's like in the Rails world. I could tell you from NG Doc, when I when it came time to deploy a CLI application to actual production, that I felt lied to. Ward, I was lied to. So what, what happened? And that that's what yeah. I guess I'm curious I about. Hear, you know, I want to hear the story. Okay, so you do a CLI app in Angular. And the world is roses, rainbows, unicorns. Um, I got a massage from a unicorn while I was building my CLI app. It was mm -hmm. amazing. Right? Full 90-minute, full body massage. It was great. <laughs> Aromatherapy, candles, music. Then it's time to deploy. So here's, here's an Angular app, right? A CLI app. You have the CLI in it. It runs. You tell it, you know, uh, uh, what is the command? ng-serve? ng-serve, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Tell it ng-serve, and it runs basically Webpack's development server. And the Webpack dev server serves up your files, right, and your Angular app. Fan-freaking-tastic. Here's the problem. An app is not, and with very few exceptions, just a front end. There's got to be a back end to persist data and store it. There's got to be, you know, was it Mongo? Is it uh, Firebase doesn't necessarily, let's, let's, let's exclude the back end as a service where you can just make web calls, right? I'm going to say a real true back end. So we want some Mongo. And in the middle, of course, you need real security. So you're going to have probably Node. So let's just go with like a simple Node Mongo, or maybe it's .NET and uh, SQL Server. It's uh, Rails. And what's the common database for Rails? Just PostgreSQL. Uh, PostgreSQL, okay. Whatever it is, right? Those servers, you got to go talk to those servers. So having that 
Webpack dev server sitting there in the middle serving up your files is no bueno. Is that what you're going to do in production? Are you going to run Webpack's dev server on your production box to serve up your, your to answer the requests for your files? Now you're making me happy that I use Rails because it, <laughs> it does all this automatically and it just talks nicely <laughs> to my back end. Okay. No, you're not. You're not. You're not. You're uh, obviously you're going to use Webpack to produce a production build, and then you're yeah. Build. But it right. it has a built-in script that you when you run your uh, Rails assets compilation, it just does all that stuff for you. With well, so it's Angular. It's called the CLI. Yeah. <laughs> so why is it hard? Why is it? It's okay, not hard so at all me... as long as you don't look. Don't <laughs> well, all right. Let me finish. Let me finish. This okay. Story. Okay. So. In dev, I've got the dev server. It's serving up my files, and I go to talk to uh, like an H. I want to make an HTTP post or something for some data that I want to store store into MongoDB. Well, right now it's just going to the Webpack dev server, which doesn't have a freaking clue, right? I want to put up a node server in the middle, and I want to talk to that node server. Well, that's a different port, right? Obviously, it has to be. It's a different web server. It's mm -hmm. not the node, the Webpack dev server. It's a different server. So, and I don't want to, you can't talk because of cores and crap. You don't talk to a different, a server on a different port. So what you do is you do a little development trickery uh, and you set up a port forwarding through Webpack's development server so that any request that you make to a certain like path, like slash API, for example, actually gets forwarded to a different port. And then you, you run your node server on a different port. Okay, so that's your development boxes. Now, I'm still talking to slash, you know, I just make a request or a post maybe to slash API slash, you know, users to create a new user. And uh, it forwards that on to my actual node server. Well, again, you're not going to do that in production. In production, you need your node server to actually serve up the files and be the API that you talk to because you don't want to run Webpack's dev server. So here's my big, here's problem number one. My dev environment looks nothing like my production environment. They're trying to—I mean, they're, they're doing their best to make it look, to make it to the for the front end look like it, but the real actual guts of what's going on are not the same. So when I go and deploy to production, I don't know. I have way less confidence that things are going to work because the moving pieces are different. Secondly, now I got to figure out how to make my node servers serve up the files when in dev, that's not what it does. In dev, it's the Webpack dev server that serves up my files. So I configure my node server, my express, in this case, I'm talking about express. I configure that to serve those files. And then I've got to go and do a bunch of like manual stuff to get that node server to run and serve up those files and check and see, does this actually work? So basically, I got to create a new dev build that is just to test if my node server is running right so that when I put it into production, it will actually work. And that and so then there's no like quick deploy, right? I'm actually running two different GitHub repos. So I do an AOT build of my CLI and that produces these files. And I, oh, here's the other problem is, I can't just you're have not, no. You're not using files. Docker. I can't believe it. What uh, are you? I, I'm actually not using it. And that's a problem, <laughs> probably a, a, a something I should be doing. I, like Docker is awesome. Uh, I don't use Docker. I'm not, super comfortable with Docker yet. I haven't gotten deep into Docker, and so I'm not. I'm just trying to use Heroku and uh, Mongo Atlas, which is like a Atlas, Mongo is a service, right? So they're hosting it. And that's and it's nice and easy and fairly cheap, right? Has anybody declared bingo yet? Because you have introduced. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think you scored, I think you scored bingo a long time ago, man. You've just laying it all out there. So the layout of my dev environment is so much different than the layout of my production environment. They are not uh, very similar at all, and I, I really dislike that aspect. I think it's part. I think it's dumpster fire. And so it's. Painful. I, I was you know, waiting for that. AOT files, right? 
And then I take them and I stick them over on production. And then I have like this on my dev box, this, I have to stand up an express server and check it and say, ah, it looks like that's working right. And then I push that up to production and, and I actually check it into an entirely different GitHub repo. So I take those, the build files, I put them into a different directory. I copy them over and some of the files, some of the configuration files for Node have to be different in production than they are in dev. And I have to make sure that if I've changed anything else in those files, that these four particular lines stay the same, right? So I've got these, I've got this notes file that says, this is what you do when you deploy and it's got like 25 steps and it's like, well, it's not maybe 25, it might be 10 or 12. It's, you know, run the AOT build and do these other things, but also check, copy over the server, but don't copy over these four files because they have config in them. And I could, you know, I could work around this a little bit. I could extract those four files that are, or those four lines of code that are different. They're, they're in like three files, four lines of code and three different files that are different between production and dev. I could extract those into some other kind of a file that doesn't, that, you know, sits outside of this process, right? And I haven't bothered to do that, but the amount of effort that I go through was, once I figured it out and got it right, then fixing it so that going forward is easier is more work than it's worth just every time I deploy, I spend an extra two or three minutes and manually check these things. So, so I, I thought that yeah, the mean like stack that. was a cohesive solution. Is that not the case then? Uh -huh. Well, I don't know what you mean by a cohesive solution. I, I, I suppose it is. All these problems stem from the way that the CLI works. So the CLI is hiding all these other problems about the fact that builds on JavaScript's applications right now are crazy complex. But when you, for the development, it's optimized for the development environment. You go to put that into production, it's an entirely different process, and you, you got to know what you're doing. Right, like if I, I feel like I have a ton of experience. If I didn't have that experience, this would have been nigh unto impossible. Or is that not how you see like the process? Like, because you were, I don't know, the way you're saying it was just like, just don't look directly at Webpack and all will be. So let me pair and <laughs> contrast. I was being a little facetious there. The goal oh, okay. is CLI. The CLI is a recognition that there are all these things that Joe is talking about out there and that if and no normal human being should who is trying to get work done should be asked to know all of this and to pay attention to all of this. And that's and and the CLI's job is to do a as good a job as possible at hiding all of this without uh, preventing you from getting in there if you absolutely have to and when you know what you need to do it's a very delicate balancing act um uh and um you know i mean i, I the, the people who work on the cli have been struggling with that balancing act since almost since the beginning uh and uh, you know i i my sort of general sense is that they've they've done that pretty well um, despite the fact that so that many people say, yeah, but I really need to do just this one thing, and 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 then suddenly um, the dumpster lid fire. comes off. Yeah, the lid comes mm -hmm. off, and you look in there, and there's the dumpster fire. Right. Um, <laughs> and apparently, Joe, you've had to jump right into the dumpster where the fire is. Is this? Why did you do that? Why didn't you just stay CLI all the way and keep keep the illusion of? Um, <laughs> I don't know how to get a CLI app that way into production. Is there a way to take my, like, what would I, would I be running the Webpack dev server up there on my Heroku instance? What would I, what, is what alternative, I don't know 
that there's an alternative. I haven't seen anybody documenting that, okay, when it's time to actually take this, your CLI app, uh, it was hard enough just to find out how to actually have a real web server and to do the, I only, I actually already knew from Webpack that the Webpack dev server had this port forwarding thing that I could do so I could run my own server at the same time. That was, that was hard enough. That wasn't clear to me, at least at the time. I know, my documentation may have changed, but um, I didn't know of any alternative. And let me also interject here one quick thing. A while ago, I saw, I read a lot of stuff about people who build and maintain open source projects complaining that when everybody, whenever anybody wants to talk about these things, this is actually when the JavaScript fatigue first became a really big thing. You know, Dan Abramov and uh, Christopher Shadu were talking about this a lot. And a lot of people that were doing open source libraries were like, we spend all our time, free time doing this stuff. And then all you do is come back and say that this sucks. And I, I want to make sure that it's clear that that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is these problems are very difficult and we are the people that are working on solving them are amazing. And I would literally kiss their feet. If Mike Brocky was here, I would get down on my knees and kiss his feet for the work that he has done on the CLI because <laughs> it is so much better than what it could be. My point is that I just want people to understand that it's not going to be just that simple. What they've really done is there's a learning curve about build systems and if it's if when it used to be when Angular 2 first came out, you had to know, you had to fight this learning curve just before you could write your first line of Angular code. The CLI pushes that way farther back and also reduces reduces it in total, right? They've simplified a bunch of things, but they've also some of the learning curve has just been deferred to later on. It's when it's time to actually go to production. That's the time when you have to fight this learning curve. So right, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, that's a good decision. I think that was a great decision. It was uh, the right decision. Uh, but, um, I don't know, Ward, you tell me, is there a way to take my CLI app and do nothing to it and just throw it up on the production somewhere? Cause I don't know how to do that when I have an actual server that I'm talking to and I need that server to exist. And, um, I am so glad you asked me that question, Joe, <laughs> uh, as, <laughs> as you probably, probably have no, um, I, I don't think <laughs> <laughs> I'm a demo god. Um, it puts me, um, you know, when it comes to production, I turn to somebody and I say, "Hey, get uh, look, I wrote it. Get it up there, would you?" I, I, that's somebody. That's somebody that is so stuff. awesome. This is no. It is so embarrassing to say to say to confess that. When it comes to these production things, I, I don't know. But you know, we got to draw a line somewhere, yeah. and 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 it is, it just looks like a rat hole. Um, so, and I look, I go into all kinds of rat holes, but this is one rat hole that I have put off. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm I'm going back to. Angel I one. think we have just another copy episode, my files and we bring Mike on. Because <laughs> honestly, I would love that question answered. That, he, well, but I don't know that he does it either. I mean, <clears throat> I, you know, most recent place I struggled in, you know, looked into the. You know, who we should get on here is John Papa, who has been working very hard recently to figure out how to get uh, Angular apps deployed as CLI apps deployed to production in Azure, sure. right? Yeah. And uh, using Docker and all this stuff, and he has a lot to say on this. I think it would be a great show. Yeah, um, because I know he's doing it. I don't know how much the CLI folks are actually spending their effort. And, and when I say I don't know, I, I do not mean to say that they do not. I only mean to say that I don't don't know that they 
have concentrated on that. They have a thing called, obviously they know how to produce a production um, build, but how you, what you do with it after you've got it is not something I, I, I've ever heard them talk about. Are you ready to master Angular? Oasis Digital offers Angular Bootcamp, a three-day intense workshop class for individuals or teams. They cover Angular 4 and 2, and focus on the skills and knowledge you need for complex, data-rich applications. They also still offer AngularJS for teams supporting older projects. Bring them to your site or send developers to them in St. Louis, San Francisco, New York, D.C., and other cities, and online at angularbootcamp.com. So so there we go. Like When I looked around, nobody was talking even at all about how to deploy CLI. I had to, like, I... I almost felt like, hey, why why hasn't somebody told me even hinted to me somewhere about how to do this? And I had I felt like I was just thrown in the deep end of the pool. I had to, this was back in uh, March, March of this year, 2017. So I felt like I had to like figure all this chart this all these waters myself uh, to get it figured out. And so my opinion definitely is that uh, although m- some amazing things have been done, and the CLI is just a beautiful, beautiful piece of work that builds, and especially when it comes time to go to production, there are a tough cookie. We do have a deployment uh, guide in the documentation. Uh, and it talks about using Webpack, but I don't believe that it addresses what to do with um, the app of the CLI. And um, uh, the interesting thing is... Um, um, we are in the process of um, making all of our documentation be CLI first. And that will, in other words, all of our samples um, will be described in terms of how you would have constructed them using the CLI, which heretofore we've, we have not done. We've treated that. That's why there's so much system.js also in our, in our guide. Now, most of the guides are agnostic about this because they're just trying to teach you how to build a template, how to, you know, how to, how the component works, how the library, you know, HTTP works, how all these things work. But we do have, um, sections that, uh, stand at the boundary where you actually have to pay attention to the tooling you're using. And we have a guide on deployment and as part of the move, uh, to, uh, make it all of our instructions sort of CLI first, it looks to me like we're going to have to confront the very question that you're raising, Joe. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't do it today. So a couple of thoughts there. One, I kind of feel like uh, there's this is there's a lot of this that isn't necessarily the responsibility. Like they want to ease whoever's you, Mike Brocky and team doing the CLI. They want to ease the pain, but there are so many different web servers out there. Like your choice to use Angular is usually completely independent of your backend, right? You mm-hmm. can't prescribe mm-hmm. so. For how it works, whether you're using Docker, I mean, and that's not just your backend, but your entire deployment. Docker being its own other thing, and then you've got which backend ser- server technology are you using? Are you using any backend as a service at the same time? Like all these variables could make a significant difference into how you deploy. And then your build process could just be a lot bigger than just Angular, right? We're the CLI is producing this nice build for Angular, but it's Angular only. Well, your build process might involve a ton of other crap. I've seen, you know, incredibly complex builds that really for your real true production application. And so you got to tie all these pieces together and trying to come up with something that really works for all those scenarios is truly impossible. So, so it's a matter of so just if you reducing. Had to, like, if you had to like do it all again, is there anything that you would tell people like, 
do not do this? Or is it just kind of like how you said in the beginning of it's horrible, but it's the best way out there? Well, no, I mean, I don't think that I would change necessarily. I certainly haven't learned any better tactics than what I'm doing right now, other than the fact that um, I do have a few places where I've got, like I said, lines of code that have to be different between production and development. And in those cases... Uh, I could have done, I could still, it's, it's very clear to me that I could do a little bit of work to extract those off into like one file, right? And then that file is, there's a dev version of that file and a prod version of that file. My build process could then grab that, rename it and put, plug it in, plug in the right version, you know? Right. So what so are you I doing now some, to fix uh, it? Manu- just manually. I just okay. manually make sure I have, I have my, my, uh, GitHub repo that is my production deployment. Cause I'm using Heroku. So I deploy through GitHub. Right. So mm-hmm. that's why I have to have, I have a second GitHub repo that already has the production copies of those. And if I up, ever update those files, when I update them, I make sure that those four lines of code didn't change. That's basically the extra step that I go through manually. It's just such a little, a small amount of, and with a couple of notes, it takes me, you know, like 10 seconds every time where if I spent three hours fixing the issue, yeah, I'd be fixed forever. But it's going to take me a lot of deployments before I recoup that cost. So for mm. me, it's a small. But I think, you know, this pattern that I've got works for Heroku because Heroku deploys through GitHub, right? If I'm deploying through a different system, Docker or whatever, then my pattern doesn't really work anymore. You'd want to do something a little bit different. So I don't have any advice yet for doing something different than what I'm doing with ngdoc.io. But, uh, you know, it's there's, there's some stuff you had to learn. And then I... Uh, but Joe, Joe, let me let me back up here because I'm I'm just obtuse. I'm sure I'm just dumb as a box of rocks. You're gonna, I I just I had this vision like it was supposed to be you go CLI build prod or something like that, and you got but just it just threw things into the dist file to fit dist folder, and then I just I didn't have to think about Webpack or anything after that. It was just like all golden, and it's sitting there ready to go, and I just x copy it up to my server. And life is glorious. You're telling me it's not that way, right? I'm telling you it's not that way. Why is it? What? What? Can you? Why is we, it not that way? So you these, have to mo- uh, these four lines of code that you have to modify. They're in Node. Those. They are in Node. Yeah. I'll I'll pull those bad boys up for you. <laughs> we can talk about. Them. Let's talk about them in. Like, I'll pull this van over. <laughs> <laughs> I will pull this van over, and we will. All right. I got a little file called deploy.txt that exists in my ngdoc.io repo. And I really wish that I, have, I would have open sourced this by now, uh, the ngdoc repo, so people could actually come over here and take a little bit of a look at this. So in my express, so this is node file. Like, I'm not talking about any, I don't change anything Angular side. All these changes are on my web server. The web server that runs in development, which in development, all it does is respond to the API requests when I'm asking it to get data from the database and asking it to store data in the database, right? That's what all that the web server does in development. In production, it does that plus it has to also serve up my file. So if somebody requests index.http or one of the bundles that the AOT produces, I need to have a web server there to say, oh, you're asking for this bundle.js file. Here you go, right? And you, you, want, and you, have... and you want the application server to be the same as the data server. Well, I could use two different ones, but I certainly can't use the CLI's application server. Is that what you... Yeah, we're, we're talking about the file server, right? Yeah. One that serves back the index.html and the JS files and maybe CSS or whatever. 
yeah, it can't be the same as I run, as I was running in dev because in dev it's the webpack development server. I'm not going to run that in production. Yeah, I got no, 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 no. You don't know. Yeah, nor should you. It doesn't mm-hmm. have any. Right. It's right. it's not. It doesn't have any uh, security. It doesn't have any uh, anything in there. It's just there for development, just to get you right. going. So in my application, everything, all my source code exists under a directory called SRC, right? I've got a directory called server, which is where all my node files live. And I have a directory called SRC, which I maybe I could have named it client or something, but that's where my Angular code lives, okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So my ex, uh, express server, um, it has a static call, which says, hey, if somebody requests a file, you just go here and it's out of data, out of, it has a subdirectory of slash SRC. When I go to production, all those files move up a level. So I have to re- replace that instead of having a sub, a subdirectory of SRC, it has no subdirectory. It's just express.static and then my root path. Right, so so how right. did you find this out? Did you find this out by like putting it up on Heroku and then nothing was working and then yeah. you like had to go backwards from there? Yes. Yes. And okay. I should have, you know, I should have tried this. I tried once I realized that Heroku was broken uh, really severely. Then I actually like tried to stand up on my development box and say, all right, I'm going to have a node server that looks exactly like what will look like in Heroku. And let's just make this whole thing work. And I could just run and serve my files and talk to the database out of node, no CLI server at the time. So I had that. That's when I actually had a lot easier time to, you know, waiting for around to deploy to Heroku. That would have killed me. <laughs> yeah, on every change. So no, I'm very much on the Chuck side of things. I think I've only ever done like Rails backend things on Heroku. So, right, well, yeah. I'm looking at my server, my nodes, my Express server. You know, where I can my server TS, which mm-hmm. it imports Express. And it's, it's it's essentially Express server. And it, all right, so it's demo, but it. And it has like gaps in it, like all right, you got to put some you know authentication and authorization here, and and it it would bring in a module if it had one for the to handle the data API calls, mm-hmm. but it isn't that long otherwise. And I'm running it locally. Um, I'm probably just again, it's probably me not thinking about all the things you need to do. So go on, Joe. What's the four line? Four lines of that. I, I, I agree. It's not going to be the CLI's dev server. I'm going to have my own node server, but I'd have my own node server anyway. Okay. So the one line is that express.static call. i got to remove that subdirectory. That's change number one. Change number two is I have to go to my server's routes file. And any routes that have slash SRC as a subdirectory in the route has to be changed to not have that. And that's I like think more right, than four lines, right? Well, in this case, there's only a very few routes that I actually have in them. So oh, okay. this is this is my so we have a static file about.html in our project, right? Mm-hmm. It's just an HTML file. It doesn't have any Angular in it. It's just some display. Okay. Um so when I serve that up, the node server has to respond to that. When it receives a request for slash about, it actually goes and pulls up the about.html file and sends it back. Um, then I also have to worry, I'm, I'm using HTML5 mode routing. So when I'm on a slight, you know, slash whatever, and I hit refresh, I want to serve back up the index.html. So if I'm yep. on slash admin or whatever, I need to give it back index.html. So I've got basically four subdirectories, admin, articles, and resources. Any of those 
they have to serve up index.html. So the, to find the index.html, it's my root path plus the subdirectory source, src. Then there's my index.html. In production, my index.html is up a directory. So these files are different in production versus in uh, dev, right? I guess I thought there was always a way. I don't do it that like, way. Uh, yeah, and, and again, this is this is like, I've got a whole project. I organize this project in development, how I do these subdirectories to make it uh, optimized to how I feel about it, how I feel is best and is right. When I play these out to production, it, it looks a little bit differently. And so this is what works for me. Somebody else may decide that they don't want to do it this way, you know. But for me, all my Angular code lives in one subdirectory. Hmm. And so uh, the index.html lives in there and all the Angular code. Then my server lives in a different subdirectory from the root path of my project. And that's that's one of the big, big problems with production versus uh, development is that all those all that stuff lives in a source subdirectory and the server needs to know about it when it's being served up. That's really interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, in the magical land of Rails, it just builds a JavaScript file and then Webpacker knows where to find it. <laughs> so it just right. loads it from the right place. But right. yeah, I can see where, yeah, you want to you want to run it from source and you want to make sure that, you know, it's doing the hot reloading and all of the that stuff while you're doing development. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, when you go and build it out, it, yeah, it's going to put it somewhere else. And it's going to be a little bit different that way. Yeah, and yeah. So there you go. So do you just map it over then, or copy it over, or? Yeah, I mean, generally, I don't change those files. My web server doesn't change a lot in the few places where I have this stuff. Those few lines of code, they don't really change. So I don't generally worry about it too much. But I have notes like, hey, check and make sure these lines of code haven't changed. Yeah. Oh, tell me they're like sticky notes stuck to the side of the monitor because that is so how I roll. <laughs> it's a text file in the root of the project. That's, oh, that's what okay, it is. a little bit more technical. It's then. got okay. these notes. <laughs> well, everybody's got these things. You know, I mean, every system I've ever heard has somebody's little, little uh, checklist of things they got to do manually. Uh, and, you know, unless they have lots and lots of money. Right. Uh, Bandaid.txt. You can pull this out, but it'll hurt. Yeah. So I guess I have three files. And in those three files, I've got basically, you know, five, six lines of code maybe that are different. And one of the files is like an authorization file where it's got a key uh, to hit uh, for uh, one well, uh, Google's uh, login because I'm using uh, a Google login. Um, the, the term is escaping me, is escaping my brain right now. Well, you know, like with a, your own. a single sign-on or something. OAuth, yeah, OAuth. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm using since I'm using OAuth, the URL for Google's callback is different between dev and production as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? I think we need we need to bring in um, somebody who's been really focusing on this. I mean, you've you've scared the heck out of us, now, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I think I commend, well, you for, I commend you for that. I mean, well, really, I mean, you know, you're shining a light on, and you won't be. I got to tell you, you aren't the first person to say, uh, "Where's all the help on deployment?" Right. Um, uh, and so, um, I think we should. Um, we got to turn to some people who have thought about that, and let's get John in here. Well, I also think that another thing that would be helpful is before the show. If Joe and John or whoever we wind up getting 
sit down and look at Joe's code and that way we, you know, they can come in and also just say, instead of trying to troubleshoot <laughs> it over just straight audio, it's yeah. okay. We looked at it and this is what Joe was doing and here's how we made the pain go away or at least made right. it better. Well, and I think it just all comes back to the fact that the CLI is giving you this really nice little black box, right? But in order to run on dev, you have the, you're using the Webpack dev, dev server. That's yep. serving up your files in production. You don't use the Webpack dev server to serve up your files. You use your actual web server, but your web server still needs to be running in dev and at least responding to those API calls. And in production, it's responding to the API calls and serving up the files. So the fact that there is that difference, that dissonance between the two means that there will be issues. In my case, some of these issues like, hey, I'm using this slash source directory. That has to do with how I've set up my project. But that only exists because my development environment where I'm running Webpack dev server to serve up the files and I'm running the node server just to respond to API calls is different than in production where my node server responds to API calls and serves up the files. That's the core of why this is an issue. And, you know, where's, how, how do you get around that? If you're, go, if you're going to have the CLI be your web server and serve up your files, which makes it so nice because it just handles everything and you get the hot loading and uh, quick recompiles and stuff, then there's really not a good way around it. You're not going to say, hey, CLI, work with whatever random web server I'm using and have it serve up these files. Right. You could um, use the Angular in-memory web API to intercept all of the data calls and reroute them. Yeah. Yep, you could. But then you have to drop that back out if you're a production build. Yeah, I, that doesn't sound to me like an, an, an advantage. I, I would have to try it to really know, but right off the bat, it doesn't sound to me like it's an advantage. In, well, it's just the way I don't have to worry about data. Right. But I, I can completely control my de development data because I'm not really thinking about how I'm going. You know, I, I'm trying to focus on my Angular app and not focus on the back end. But, you know, it has limitations, as you say. Right. right. There you go. So we need, there's like a whole second piece to this whole talk, and that is uh, System.js and the future of it. We, oh, yeah. Like, I think okay. that we can say something that most people are not going to know about the future of System.js and Angular. Yeah, we can say definitively that all Angular tooling is Webpack-oriented. And 